This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information for how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Polls by Gerard Manley Hopkins. Read by Linda Liu. Part 6b. Editor's Notes to Poems 40-51. to 51. Poem 40. Carrying Comfort. Autograph in H. In three versions. First, deleted draft. Second, a complete version. Both on same page. With 38 and 39. Third, with 41 on another sheet. Final, question mark. Revision carried only to end of stanza 1, line 12. Open parentheses, two detached lines on reverse. Close parentheses. Text is this last, with last two lines from the second version. Date must be 1885, and this is probably the sonnet, quote, written in blood, unquote of which he wrote in May of that year. I have added the title and the hyphen in heaven-handling. Poem 41. No worst. Autograph in H. On same page as third draft of 40. One undated draft with corrections embodied in the text here. Stanza 1, line 5. At the end are some marks which look like a hyphen and a comma. No title. Poem 42. Tom's Garland. Sonnet. Common rhythm, but with hurried feet. Two codas. Dromore, September 87. With full title, capital A. Another autograph in capital B is identical. In line 9 there is a strong accent on I. Stanza 1, line 10. The capital initial of country is doubtful. Rhythmical marks omitted. The author's own explanation of this poem may be read in a letter written to me from Dublin, February 10th, 88. Quote, I laughed outright and often, but very sardonically, to think you and the canon could not construe my last sonnet that he had a right to you for a crib. It is plain I must go no further on this road. If you and he cannot understand me, who will? Yet, declaimed, the strange constructions would be dramatic and effective. Must I interpret it? It means, then, that, as St. Paul and Plato and Hobbes and everybody says, the commonwealth or well-ordered human society is like one man, a body with many members in each its function, some higher, some lower, but all honorable, from the honor which belongs to the whole. The head is a sovereign, which has no superior but God, and from heaven receives his or her authority. We must then imagine this head as bare, see St. Paul much on this, and covered, so to say, only with the sun and stars of which the crown is a symbol, which is an ornament but not a covering. It has an enormous hat or skull cap, the vault of heaven. The foot is a day laborer, and this is armed with hobnail boots, because it has to wear and be worn by the group. 
which again is symbolical, for its navvies or day laborers who, on the great scale or in gangs and millions, mainly trench, tunnel, blast, and in other ways disfigure, quote, mammoth, unquote, the earth, and, on a small scale, singly, and superficially stamp it with their footprints, and the, quote, garlands, unquote, of nails they wear are therefore the visible badge of the place they fill, the lowest in the commonwealth. But this place still shares a common honor, and if it wants one advantage, glory or public fame, makes up for it by another, ease of mind, absence of care, and these things are symbolized by the gold and the iron garlands. Oh, once explained how clear it all is. Therefore the scene of the poem is laid at evening, when they are giving over work, and one after another pile their picks, with which they earn their living, and swing off home, knocking sparks out of Mother Earth, not now by labor and of choice, but by the mere footing, being strong-shod, and making no hardship of hardness, taking all easy, and so to supper and bed. Here comes a violent but effective hyperbation or suspension, in which the action of the mind mimics that of the laborers, surveys his lot, low but free from care, then by a sudden strong act, throws it over the shoulder, or tosses it away as a light matter the witnessing of which light-heartedness makes me indignant with the fools of radical levelers. But presently I remember that this is all very well for those who are in, however low in, the commonwealth and share in any way the common weal, but that the curse of our times is that many do not share it, that they are outcasts from it, and have neither security nor splendor, that they share care with a high and obscurity with a low, but wealth or comfort with neither. And this state of things, I say, is the origin of loafers, tramps, corner boys, roughs, socialists, and other pests of society. And I think that it is a very pregnant sonnet, and in point of execution very highly wrought. Too much so, I am afraid. G.M.H. Unquote. Poem 43. Harry Plowman. Dromore, September 1887. Autograph in capital A. Autograph in capital B has several emendations, written over without deletion of original. Text is capital B with these corrections, which are all good. Line 10. Features is a verb. Line 13. Apostrophe S is his. I've put a colon at plow, in place of author's full stop, for the convenience of reader. Line 15 equals his lily locks wind-laced. Quote, Saxo, Sarah, hyphen, Cominuit, hyphen, Brum. Unquote. Line 17 them, these, capital A, in the last three lines the grammar intends, quote, how his churl's grace governs the movement of his booted, open parentheses, in bluff hide, close parentheses, feet, 
as they are matched in a race with a wet shining furrow overturned by the share. G.M.H. thought well of the sonnet and wrote on September 28, 1887, quote, I have been touching up some old sonnets you have never seen and have within a few days done the whole of one, I hope, very good one, and most of another. The one finished is a direct picture of a plowman without afterthought. But when you read it, let me know if there is anything like it in Walt Whitman, as perhaps there may be, and I should be sorry for that. Unquote. And again on October 11th, 87. Quote, I will enclose a sonnet on Harry Plowman, in which burden lines, they might be recited by a chorus, are freely used. There is in this very heavily loaded sprung rhythm a call for their employment. The rhythm of this sonnet, which is altogether for recital and not for perusal, as by nature verse should be, is very highly studied. From much considering it, I can no longer gather any impression of it. Perhaps it will strike you as intolerably violent and artificial. Unquote. And again on November 6, 87. Quote, I want Harry Plowman to be a vivid figure before the mind's eye. If he is not that, the sonnet fails. The difficulties are of syntax, no doubt. Dividing a compound word by a clause sandwiched into it was a desperate deed, I feel, and I do not feel that it was an unquestionable success. Unquote. Poems 44, 45, 46, 47 These four sonnets, together with number 56, are all written undated in a small hand, on the two sides of a half-sheet of common sermon paper, in the order in which they are here printed. They probably date back as early as 1885, and maybe all, or some of them, those referred to in a letter of September 1st, 1885. Quote, I shall shortly have some sonnets to send you, five or more. Four of these came like inspirations unbidden and against my will, and in the life I lead now, which is one of a continually jaded and harassed mind, if in any leisure I try to do anything I make no way, nor with my work, alas, but so it must be." Unquote. I have no certain nor single identification of date. Poem 44 To Seem the Stranger H with corrections which my text embodies. Stanza 1, line 14 Began I have no other explanation than to suppose an omitted relative pronoun, like Hero Savest, in poem 17. The sentence would then stand for quote, Leaves me a lonely Open parentheses One who only Close parentheses began." Unquote. No title. Poem 45 I wake and feel H with corrections which text embodies. No title. Poem 46 Patience As 45 stanza 1 line 2 Patience is The initial capital is mine and the comma after Ivy, in line six. No title. 
Poem 47 My Own Heart As 45 Stanza 1, line 6 I have added the comma after Comfortless That word has the same grammatical value as Dark in the following line Quote, I cast for comfort Open parentheses Which Close parentheses I can no more find in my comfortless open parentheses world close parentheses than a blind man in his dark world unquote. stanza one line ten manuscript accents let lines thirteen and fourteen the text here from a good correction separately written open parentheses as far as mountains, close parentheses, on the top margin of poem 56. There are therefore two writings of between pi, a strange word in which pi apparently makes a compound verb with between, meaning, quote, as the sky seen between dark mountains is brightly dappled, Unquote. The grammar, such as inner variegates, would make. This word might have delighted William Barnes if the verb quote, to pie unquote, existed. It seems not to exist and to be forbidden by homophonic absurdities. Poem 48 Heraclitian Fire Sprung rhythm with many outrides and hurried feet. Sonnet with two sick codas. July 26, 1888. County of Dublin. The last sonnet, this provisional only. Autograph in capital A. I found no other copy nor trace of draft. The title is from capital A. Line 6. Construction obscured. Rut peel may be a compound word, manuscript uncertain. Line 8, question mark, omitted relative pronoun. If so, equals, quote, the man marks a treadmire toil, foot fretted in it, unquote. Manuscript does not hyphen nor quite join up, foot with, fretted. Line 12, Manuscript has no Cicerone mark. On August 18, 88, he wrote, quote, I will now go to bed. The more so I am going to preach tomorrow and put plainly to a highland congregation of McDonald's, Macintoshes, Macalops, and the rest what I am putting not at all so plainly to the rest of the world, or rather to you and Canon Dixon in a sonnet in sprung rhythm with two codas. Unquote. And again on September twenty fifth, eighty eight. Quote, Lately I sent you a sonnet on the Heraclitian fire, in which a great deal of early Greek philosophical thought was distilled, but the liquor of the distillation did not taste very Greek, did it? The effect of studying masterpieces is to make me admire and do otherwise. So it must be on every original artist to some degree, on me to a marked degree. Perhaps then more reading would only refine my singularity, which is not what you want. Unquote. 
Note that the sonnet has three codas, not two. Poem 49, Alfonso's. Text from autograph with title, and, quote, upon the first falling of his feast after his canonization, unquote, in capital B. An autograph in capital A, sent October 3rd, from Dublin asking for immediate criticism, because the sonnet had to go to Majorca. Quote, I ask your opinion of a sonnet written to order on the occasion of the first feast since his canonization proper of St. Alfonso's Rodriguez, a lay brother of our order, who for forty years acted as hall porter to the College of Palma in Majorca. He was, it is believed, much favored by God with heavenly light, and much persecuted by evil spirits. The sonnet, I say it snorting, aims at being intelligible. Unquote. And on October ninth, eighty eight, quote, I am obliged for your criticisms, quote, contents of which noted, unquote, indeed acted on, I have improved the sestet. Open parentheses, he defends, quote, Hugh. Unquote. Close parentheses. At any rate, whatever is markedly featured in stone, or what is like stone, is most naturally said to be home. And to shape itself means in Old English to hew, and the Hebrew bara to create, even properly means to hew. But life and living things are not naturally said to be home and their growth is by trickling increment. The open parentheses, first, close parentheses, line now stands, quote, glory is a flame off exploit, so we say, unquote. Poem 50, Hustuses, etc. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1, open parentheses, for title, close parentheses, March 1789, autograph in capital A, similar autograph in capital B, which reads line 9, Sir, life on thy great cause. Text from capital A, which seems later, being written in the peculiar faint ink of the corrections in capital B, and embodying them. Early drafts in H. Poem 51. To R.B. April twenty second, eighty nine, autograph in capital A. This, the last poem sent to me, came on April twenty ninth. No other copy but the working drafts in H. In line six, the word molds was substituted by me for combs of original when the sonnet was published by Miles, and I leave it, having no doubt that G M H would have made some such alteration. End of part 6b. This recording is in the public domain.